in our neighborhood, um, there's a party going on. Um, we don't attend. I mean, not that we're invited. We're not invited. It's just people have parties. And the thing is, is that we live on a lake, so it echoes when they have a party. Actually, it's really more than like a filled-in sinkhole than it is a true lake, but nonetheless, there's water, and so partying echoes all the way around the lake. So I can never really tell um, where it's coming from. Well, immediately opposite, I can see, because the lights are on late. And um, I have to say, the party is fine for a certain period of time, after which I start to get a little bit disgruntled about the noise um, and somewhat frustrated, uh, especially if it goes on and on past my bedtime, and my bedtime's around nine o'clock, so you can imagine... um, so it's, uh, and, and it was even more aggravating when our golden retriever Sammy was alive and they happened to use fireworks because our poor golden retriever hated fireworks, especially the 4th of July. And uh, he would try, this big shaggy dog, to try and actually claw his way into our very bodies. So that would make the aggravation level go up a couple of notches. Well, it's kind of what's happening in the gospel. There are parties going on, and the Pharisees are really disgruntled because they don't know what the party is about. Not only that, but the worst kind of people are being invited to the parties. Tax collectors and sinners are having a party with Jesus. Surely he knows better, they think. And they're angry with him for these parties. They just don't get it that what is actually happening, that in the heavenly realm, every time a sinner turns from their own way and turns to follow Jesus, there's a party going on. And so Jesus' parties in the earthly realm are in some means mirroring what is going on in the heavenly realm because he came for this. He came to save sinners. And so there's this amazing party going on in the heavenly realm. He says, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And Paul says he, to Timothy, this is why he came. This is why Jesus came. He came into the world to save sinners. The whole reason for the incarnation, the whole reason that the Son of God took off glory in the heavenly realm and came to be incarnate in these frail, fragile bodies was to save sinners. Of course, we don't hear that word very often these days. Um, I don't think you'll ever have heard it on NBC, ABC, or CBS, or any of the others. I don't think you would have heard the word sin. In actual fact, what we hear is they had a slight indiscretion, a temporary lapse, 
some kind of moral failing that, you know, they'll get over in time. In fact, you just need to see the most recent coverage of the rape that occurred on a college campus to know that that's where our system is going. It's just a temporary lapse. Rape is sin. It's sin. And we have to call it what it is because when we make excuses for those things, we become less human, not more human. Because our humanity is found in being a redeemed humanity through Jesus Christ. And if there is no sin but temporary lapses or failings, why would we need a rescuer? Why would we need a savior to save us from sin if there is no such thing as sin? And so we discount the entire incarnation in doing so. But there is sin in the world. We dishonor God by putting ourselves first. It's a reality of our lives. The I in the middle of sin is we ourselves. And listen, we're all sinners. Get up in the morning. There's not ten minutes, you know. Lord, don't, don't let me fall quite so quickly today as I did yesterday. Yesterday, it was three minutes. Let me go ten minutes before I've sinned. But we all sin. John, in his first epistle, puts it this way. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And Paul, writing to the church in Rome, no one is righteous, in other words, without sin. No, not one. And the psalmist says today, indeed, I've been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. And then puts up this plea, in your great compassion, blot out my offenses, wash me through and through from my wickedness, purge me from my sin and I shall be clean indeed. Create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. It's what God says through the prophet Jeremiah, I will take out their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Christ Jesus is the answer to the psalmist's prayer. He came into the world to save sinners. But here's the amazing thing. He doesn't wait until we find him. He is always, always out searching for us. That's what those two parables talk about. The woman goes searching everywhere for that tenth coin. She doesn't say, oh, well, yeah, I've got nine. I can live on nine. That's good. I'll just forget about that other one. No, she takes the lamp. She takes the broom. She goes through every single corner an inch of the house until she finds the coin. She doesn't stop until she finds the coin. The shepherd goes out 
looking for the lost sheep. When Willet came and we talked, there was Charlotte and I think um, Beverly Gerdes was there, and we were talking about the window, the possibility maybe of a good shepherd window. And he said, well, tell me about it. And I said, well, there are all these amazing stories about the shepherd. You know, the shepherd doesn't ever stop looking for that lost sheep. Whether it's bramble-strewn pathways, thickets with thorns, high, craggy mountains, it doesn't matter where the sheep is lost. You see the mountains there? You see the 99 in the field behind? And he's found the lost sheep, all tied up in those brambles. He's gone searching for the one that is lost. And never stops until he finds the one that is lost, puts him on his shoulders, and brings him home rejoicing. Whether you were found as a child, whether you were found as a teenager, whether you were found as a parent in a young family, whether you were found later in life, whenever you were found, know this, you didn't find him, he found you. You just turned to follow him because he never stops searching. And when he found you, There was a party going on in heaven. There was a great celebration. Because he doesn't, when he finds, and when we turn, he doesn't wag his finger and say, look at all the trouble you caused. There's no judgment there. There's a party. There is rejoicing In heaven, the shepherd is ecstatic because he has pulled the lost out of the jaws of eternal death into the grace and glory of eternal life. Because we know also in scripture that the wages of sin are death. But he came to save Sinners, he never, ever, ever stops searching for the lost. If you haven't yet allowed yourself to be found, or you have a loved one that you're praying for because they've either walked away from Jesus or have never yet encountered him, know this, he won't ever stop searching ever you've heard me tell you this story before when I came to faith and I'd have those discussions with my mom and she'd said Sal yeah I know that's good for you but I don't know and then she'd come and she'd say yeah I wish I had your faith Sal I really wish I had your faith and in the last 24 hours of her life 
as the breath was going out, I said, Mommy, you know Jesus has you. She said, Yes, I know Sal. He never stops searching for the lost, ever. And if you have heard the enemy's voice that says to you, he can't forgive those sins. It's a lie. Paul himself says, I was the chiefest of all sinners, a blasphemer, a persecutor, a man of violence. He went after those who followed after Christ. He had them thrown into jail, tortured and put to death, a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But the riches of God were given him. He says, so that in me, the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ, might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. There is no sin so great that would prevent God from endlessly searching for his lost children. And when they're found, there is a party going on. I love Dickens and uh, remember um, Fezziwig's Ball. How they're just all dancing around and the violins playing and the fiddlers going. We were up in Cape Breton and there's that wonderful fiddle music going on. You just want to get up and dance. There's trumpets blowing. Angels are rejoicing. There is such an amazing party going on. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Your being found brings joy to heaven. And that's why Jesus had so many parties with tax collectors and sinners. There's a part of a book called Piercing the Darkness. It's about a woman called Sally Beth Rowe. I think I might have shared it with you before. And she's come to the end of her ability to do anything. She's gone certainly down bramble-strewn paths. She's come into dead ends. She took a long look at herself. She looked like a homeless vagabond. She was. She looked solitary and lonely. She was. She also looked small and insignificant in a very large world. What must she look like to God, big enough to have created this huge globe on which she was sitting, like a microbe on a microscope slide? How would he ever find her? She placed her notebook in her lap and flipped to a page of notes she had prepared. Um, Hello, I imagine you know who I am, but I'll introduce myself anyway. My name is Sally Beth Rowe. I guess you remember our last visit about 30 years ago at the uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Eureka, California. I suppose you're wondering why I broke off our relationship 
I guess I was an angry young woman, and maybe I blamed you for my sorrows, but at any rate, I decided that I could take care of myself, and that's basically the way it's been for most of my life. I'm sure you know the story. I tried atheism and then humanism, and that left me empty and my life meaningless. So then I tried cosmic humanism and mysticism, and that was good for many years of aimless delusions and torment, and to be honest, the mess I'm in right now, including the fact that I'm a convicted felon. You know all about that, I guess. I need to ask you about your love. I do know it's there. I I need to know you'll... Sally stopped. Tears were forming in the corners of her eyes. She wiped them away and took some deep breaths. Excuse me, this is difficult. There are a lot of years involved. A lot of emotion. And she took another breath. Anyway, I was trying to say that I would like very much for you to accept me because I've been told that you love me and that you've arranged for all my wrongs to be paid for and forgiven. I know I've wronged you and I've ignored you and I've tried to be God myself but if you will have me, if you will only accept me, I would be more than willing to hand over to you all that I am and all that I have, whatever it may be worth. Jesus, she couldn't stop the emotions this time. Her face flushed, her eyes filled, and she was afraid to go on, but she did go on, even as her voice broke and tears ran down her cheeks as her body began to quake. Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I want you to forgive me. Please forgive me. She was crying and she couldn't stop. But the heart of stone became a heart of flesh. The deepest cries of that heart became a fountain. And above, as if another sun had risen, the darkness opened and pure white rays broke through the treetops, flooding Sally Bearthrow with a heavenly light shining through to her heart, her innermost spirit, obscuring her form with a blinding fire of holiness slowly without sensation without sound she settled forward her face to the ground her spirit awash with the presence of God and all around her like spokes of a wondrous wheel like beams of light emanating from a sun angelic blades flat upon the ground their tips turned towards her, their handles extending outward, held in the strong fists of hundreds of noble warriors who knelt in perfect concentric circles of glory, light and worship, their heads to the ground, their wings stretched skyward like a flourishing animated garden of flames. They were silent, their hearts filled with holy dread, and as in countless times past, in countless places, with marvelous, inscrutable wonder, the Lamb of God stood among them. The word of God. And more, the final, tr- the final word. The end of all discussion and challenge. The creator and the truth that holds all creation together. Most wondrous of all, the Savior. 
a title the angels would only behold and marvel at, but which only mankind could know and understand. He had come to be the savior of this woman. He knew her by name and was speaking her name. He touched her and her sins were gone. A rustling began in the first row of angels, then in the next, then like a wave rushing outward, the silken wings from row upon row of warriors caught the air, raising a roar and lifted the angels to their feet. The warriors held their swords heavenward, a forest of fiery blades, and began to shout in tumultuous joy, their voices rumbling and shaking the whole spiritual realm. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb, for he was slain. And one of the angels pointed his sword at Sally Bethrow, prostrate, her face to the ground, still communing with her newfound Savior. And with his blood, he has purchased for God the woman, Sally Beth Rowe. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then came another roar from the voices and from wings and for another flashing of hundreds of swords and the wings took hold and the skies filled with warriors swirling, shouting, cheering, worshiping, their light washing over the earth for miles around every time. A sinner is found. There is a party going on, the like of which we cannot even begin to imagine. The thing is that once we've been found, we can settle into a place of comfort and we expect to be pampered. So the question for us is, do we look like a hotel or a club for sinners? Or if somebody comes in that door, do we look like a rejoicing community of saved sinners? Do we look like there's a party going on here so that people ask when they come into our midst, what's the cause for all the celebration? And we can reply, once we were lost, but now we're found. Amen.